I'm not scaring elderly population through this because obviously I've had clients and one of one of few of my favorite clients have been those who never exercise because it's a challenge for a trainer or any coach. But you would need to go to a relatively more specialized coach uh, or a bit more experienced coach if you are going to start exercising after 40 years. Uh, now, also, there were these two things that I wanted to address. And more than the muscle loss, what I believe uh, elderly suffer from is cognitive function loss. So... Oh. Function is one of them and another thing I, I believe for uh, training the elderly, uh, osteoarthritis and the early onset of arthritis along with joint, infl uh, joint inflammation is one, essentially the main uh, symptom of arthritis. So both rheumatoid and uh, osteoarthritis are two of the uh, conditions that plague the elderly. So. Besides uh, cognitive decline, and one uh, another very interesting thing about exercise is exercise is actually being proven to reverse cognitive decline. So it's not just people who are uh, starting off early, but those who are currently suffering from uh, cognitive decline, uh, they can greatly benefit from exercise because there is uh, something brain-derived neurotrophic factor that is uh, simulated greatly when we are exercising. So uh, I believe that e even though certain precautions are needed, and as you said correctly, that uh, a specialized coach will be needed. Uh, of course, um, I, I guess a young person can take the risk of going to a gym and trying to lift something up by themselves, which an older adult should never do. But when you have this specialized training, we do have sufficient scientific proof that it helps you with your health biomarkers as well as uh, reduce the process of aging. I won't say reduce as in reducing the negative effects of the process of aging. Totally agree on that. Totally agree on that. So about the older adults, every 10 years, they tend to lose about 3 to 8 of their uh, muscle mass and this condition we call it as sarcopenia so uh, when we do resistance training I think you know this better that the muscle mass loss will be decreased right it will be decreased in certain cases again if you just started exercising at an old age it hmm. can be uh, the decrease of the muscle mass uh, the, the, the rate at which you will lose the muscle mass will be decreased and if you were exercising at younger age and you're still continuing till old age and you were on a very well regimented uh, weightlifting program coupled with good diet, you can actually build muscle mass in a lift. Yeah. It's uh, anecdotal evidence there for sure. Um, and I believe at times anecdotal evidence do play a big role. Yes. So, but uh, another thing is, along with the muscle mass, as we know that for uh, building the muscle mass, we will require protein. And older adults, as they're losing 3 to 8% every decade, they actually need more protein than the average healthy adult. So, by um, most standards, if you go, mostly the Western standards have set it, it's about 0.8 grams for the normal adult who's just uh, working or going to his business and coming back. But for adults, 
it is going to be around 1.2 uh, grams per kg body weight which is almost as much as a bodybuilder like i guess you guys must be you you go for what 1.5 1.2 yep yep i i uh, the, the protein count that i've been hitting lately is been somewhere around 150 to about 170 while i weigh around 75 kilograms or 75 so kilograms so almost 2 uh, grams you are taking right yeah almost 2 grams Almost but I, I compete in, uh, so I have been... Um, but you are a powerlifter. Power yeah, I compete in powerlifting, strongman. I come yeah. from combat sports background. I train yeah. pretty hard. Plus, I have a physically demanding job. I travel a lot. And I have already been on a calorie deficit. Yeah. So I was on a hard calorie deficit. So coupled with all of that, I needed it for now. But even the more cases, you should be still taking somewhere around uh, one point. 2.5 to 1.5 grams if you're on a hard resistance training based program. Hard resistance training, yeah. So yeah. as you can see that and the older adults, game uh, even if they are not doing resistance training, even if they are not doing any resistance around 1.2. But one of the challenges that we as a nutritionist face with older adults is uh, they not as easy as a normal younger person to get them to take the protein yeah because uh, there are certain factors one is the digestion uh, decreases with time and there is also a loss of appetite due to loss of uh, smell loss of taste all these factors come into play so one and uh, most Western countries still maintain, like the older adults still maintain a 0.8 grams. But from my experience in India, even younger adults, uh, older adults even lesser, they do not meet the protein requirements. So you'll find many of our older population highly shriveled because they're losing muscle mass. They'll be fit, they'll be active, but they'll be highly shriveled. That is happening yeah. to the muscular degradation. And uh, sarcopenia is actually very high uh, in India. If you just observe uh, the aged and the elderly around you, you'll notice that the muscles are very highly degraded when compared to uh, Western countries. Hmm. I have so a question. If we go for 1.2, just imagine per meal, they have to go for 25 to 30 grams. That means uh, even for breakfast, if you are taking two eggs, uh, plus, let's say a little bit of cheese, etc. You'll still, you'll struggle to meet that 25 gram requirement, right? So they need yep. 25 to 30 gram every meal. So 13 to 3, if I uh, do the math, it's just coming to 90 gram. It's not even meeting 100 gram. So the optimal protein intake for older adults is not met. And that is one of the biggest challenges that uh, we face as a nutritionist. And as you know that um, for resistance training as well, you would require a certain amount of uh, protein. Um, what would you say um, that older adults do to balance this combination of nutrition and uh, diet? Yeah, see, point one, uh, again, it might seem like a shameless plug, but uh, hire a good nutritionist and a good coach. Uh, apart from that, uh, <laughs> yeah. apart from that, uh, a smart thing is going to be um, uh, see. It's going to be 
start consuming protein at an early age. So this, I, I had a question to you actually. Uh, before we go on and uh, I take over, uh, I had a question to you because uh, even I face this problem with a lot of clients. The people who have not been consuming protein at an early age, okay, again similar to the resistance training question. So the people who have not been, uh, you know, uh, consuming protein at age of 20 or they've not been eating a lot of animals or let's say eggs or dairy, it becomes really when I prescribe them to have protein at an older age, just because it's just not able to consume that much amount of protein. So, will, uh, oh, older age, they will not be able to. So, supplementation would be the only way to go if they are not able to meet it from their diet. But the thing is, here's the thing. When you are older, like certain things, like let's say your medication, this is something that is not negotiable actually because you are losing muscle. That is a part of your body. So you have to take protein. Now, supplementation uh, essential than uh, like a younger individual would have. For example, if uh, when I train people, uh, there's a very simple rule I have that try to get most of the things from the whole food. Like hmm. I try to hit my potassium through whole foods, uh, not through the supplements. Like whole foods are the best. Whole foods uh, are because it's just more abundant source and it also builds a good habit of not spending on unnecessary stuff yeah. which is always good even if you have extra money uh, because then you can uh, spend on training services mm -hmm. or a better uh, nutrition services or a better car service or extra somewhere mm -hmm. else but you can have more judicious use of your resources uh, that's the basic idea so, yeah, and also the, the way I deal with this problem is exactly the same. Uh, the solution I have is consume. So, so when people are training, they get really thirsty. And exactly after the training, people get really hungry. So uh, the, the, the big chunk of protein uh, that I program for my clients is there only. So I make them consume their protein shakes when they are lifting weights or training with me. Because they're always going, they're, you're always going to get hungry if you're like, uh, uh, sorry, thirsty, if you're training really, really hard. So we try to get the protein shakes in while we are training most of the times. And uh, once we are done training, we have the big meal of the day. So in the, that big meal is their primary glycogen-based meal that uh, I, I program for them. And also the, the most amount of protein they're going to have is going to be there. Because you just have an appetite exactly after uh, the training session. Mostly, if, if, you, if you're having a good program and if you guys have been training for a while, you should be having a good appetite after the training session. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, still, like, despite all the controversy and the million uh, Google search results and everything, what I would say is that uh, two-hour window and protein consumption rule still applies. I, uh, yeah, I... I because there's more literature supporting it than opposing it, right? Absolutely. So don't need to take protein within uh, two hours, but it's it's always better. It's always a better practice without going too much into scientific jargon. It is always a better practice to take within the two-hour window after your workout. So anecdotal results talk for themselves. Like yeah. like any of the good athletes. And see, sports nutrition is not very much different than 
normal people non sports nutrition hmm. uh, so that is no, uh, in in sports nutrition what is also happening is the uh, muscle breakdown during the process of sports which is what uh, needs to be taken into account within the 2 hour window the, that is why this is uh, recommended hmm. because in any uh, sport or a high stress activity we will be uh, breaking muscles down and as yeah. our body has a normal muscle uh, synthesis right so whenever right. we are breaking down the muscle that needs to be compensated for uh, pretty much immediately because our body always prefers to be in this um, state of balance which we call mm. as homeostasis so we always prefer to be in this homeostatic uh, state so whenever there is an event uh, which causes stress on our body our body is actually uh, it has mechanisms to compensate for it but unfortunately protein as we all know that we cannot body cannot manufacture protein we have to get it from the diet there is no other option body can manufacture fat it can manufacture energy but it cannot manu- uh, it cannot manufacture protein so that is why uh, th- uh, this thing is suggested and even and this rule uh, applies to geriatrics as well even they would benefit uh, there there is sufficient literature to suggest that geriatrics would need to take a little bit more protein because their muscle breakdown is accelerated plus uh, due to resistance training it's also happening so after the uh, workout uh, shake like our professor had uh, told a funny thing that if you are taking one smoothie make sure that an aged person has two so mm-hmm. that was the uh, joke that he made uh, but that is a that is actually not too far from the truth because uh, their requirements are going to go up when compared to the average person i am not talking about guys like you who are bodybuilding but just the average person who's going to the gym maybe one or two times a week even uh, compared to that the older adult would require more protein and calcium requirements we already know that calcium and vitamin d especially for female adults female older adults they have even more requirements right so vitamin d supplement with age is not uh, exactly something people can escape from unfortunately calcium may be required may not be required it again depends required uh, vitamin d a lot of us are uh, deficient in vitamin d yeah vitamin d we in india india has the world's highest uh, deficiency in vitamin a but uh, vitamin d is right up there but vitamin d it, it's not like if you are in india you have an extra deficiency when compared to western countries because there they don't have sunlight which we have yeah especially nordic nations etc they they also take vitamin d supplements severe uh, deficiency even hopper bjornson so i was reading about hopper bjornson uh, the hopper bjornson the, the strongman guy uh, mm-hmm. the one uh, world strongest man multiple times recently so even he had vitamin d deficiency when uh, yeah. he got work done uh, so it was an eye opener for these people because he was he thought he's already consuming a lot of uh, foods that might give him some uh, you know vitamin d but it's not like that um so yeah so ishan i had a question for you uh, when i had written uh, i think you have read my article on uh, 
how resistance training can benefit the elderly. When I had written that article, somebody had uh, commented that um, yoga is a good form of resistance training and it is applicable for the elderly. And uh, th th there was a conversation that I had, but I had uh, concerns in that. My thing is if somebody has never done yoga, would not uh, machine-guided resistance training where it is where the movements can be controlled better, uh, is it not a much safer option than yoga? Uh, if somebody has done yoga uh, before, great. But at the age of 55, 60, would starting yoga as a form of resistance training be advised by you or uh, would you uh, rather go for a more conventional uh, machine-based approach where the movement can be uh, controlled, like the pressure, the movement? What okay, is in question uh, I'll take away so again uh, so I did not read the whole conversation you had with this person but I get what you're uh, asking and uh, the idea is again I'm not against machines or not only pro uh, pre-weight exercises uh, let's go talk about yoga first if uh, yoga is used correctly and uh, it's programmed correctly, just like any other exercise uh, program. For example, uh, barbell-based program, which the only thing you have is barbell and your plates, okay? Yeah. And your power rack, where you can just take the weight for squatting and overhead pressing and etc. and bench pressing. So, in a power rack-based, barbell-based program only, uh, it's, it's cool if it's programmed correctly and it's progressive resistance training. If you're having calisthenics, which yoga is basically, yes. yoga is mostly calisthenics. And let's talk about hot yoga, not raj yoga and other form oh, of yoga. Talk about hot yoga, like the physically demanding yoga. So if you program the exercises correctly, if they are being coached correctly and they will progressively overloaded over a period of time, they are, it is a progressive resistance based uh, resistance training based program and it can definitely benefit the client. Now coming to the point uh, that you asked that conventional machine-based approach is better or a free weight or yoga or uh, any of the approach where you would require a client to oh, learn new Keep into pattern. mind early. Yeah, so, so, so uh, using new movement pattern, introducing them to new movement pattern once they have never been exposed to those kind of patterns, uh, how safe is that? So again, uh, on bookish level, uh, the textbook answer and the anecdotal answer both would be the same for me here. So what I've observed a lot is even to perform exercises on machines correctly, uh, these people, they have to have to have a little bit of uh, free weight, body weight, lower exercise um, coaching is, is, is needed there. For example, uh, a lot of people just can't understand how to retract their scapula, like how to keep chest out correctly. So that right. cue, just keeping the cue of keeping your chest out, is um, it's still relevant even if you're using machines. But what does using machine do is first it creates an illusion of safety for them, mm. and even while using machines, you can still do movements very much incorrect so there's a time and place for machines but i believe the first coaching the initial coaching 
should be around regressions of primal movement patterns only while you're just uh, pushing stuff over your head or just getting your head hands over your head uh, mm -hmm. mimicking that you're uh, pressing stuff over your head uh, maybe while you're on the floor doing some sort of floor pressing if you cannot do a push up obviously geriatric people but i don't expect progressive uh, loading through yoga because a person who's doing yoga they're depending on the free body weight for resistance which is a fixed amount so how would you progressively load that that's actually pretty easy though it is just like progressive calisthenics so you need so so in any of the weight training program without going in too depth for this uh, resistance training program even in my yesterday's lecture i was teaching this uh, this three variables i like to take in account okay not a lot of variables because different education systems have different variables uh, three variables i love to have are intensity volume and the frequency so frequency would be how frequently are you practicing an exercise in one week time span uh secondary would be the intensity that would mean the difficulty of an exercise so in a weight based program where i can add weights to the exercise in machine or barbell with plates or some other way uh that is going to be two weights and uh when you're doing a body weight calisthenic based program which yoga is technically you can progressively add more work in through giving a more difficult variation of the movement that mm. can be one way and this, uh, by and also just by changing the leverages of the movement uh, by changing the isometrically like where you hold the points in the movement for example in a dand the hindu pusha uh, i might make a video on that yeah yeah it's yeah, i get it uh, so you can still perform a dand on the wall and you can also perform a dand on the floor so when you're performing a dand on the ball it's going to be relatively less hard for you uh, easier for you and uh, so that's a regression and that's this is a progression the second oh. way intensity how you can increase the intensity that's a very easy in the easiest form i can explain i explain the increase of intensity uh, by getting from a lower level progression to a higher level progression of a single movement and i use example of a yogic movement which is a hindu push up or a yogic push up whatever people want to call it uh, but we get the reference now uh, second way would be increasing the volume so you just do more reps in so need and, and and you have to write everything so this the big thing i'm a big proponent of writing the training journals and training logs uh, if you've seen what i post on my social media you must have seen few training videos maybe so on those videos i am logging stuff and i have my own logs which i maintain either on excel sheets for my clients and myself or on paper so always write what you're doing uh, maybe you're doing a surya namaskar which is amazing it's absolutely amazing if it's done correctly it has a plank posture with the downward dog your scapulas are opening up and what not your spine gets open you're learning how to hinge you're learning uh, how to extend yourself completely over the head you're learning how to elongate your spine you're doing a push up a hindu push up there you're doing a reverse hindu push up sometimes you're in a lunge too if you notice there's one foot forward one foot is behind so lunge ish position not exact lunge but single legged pattern is being trained there so it's 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 a beautiful uh, series of movements but 
it also needs to be progressively overloaded over a longer period of time to make progress and to get stronger um so 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 to produce more force uh essentially you can, older you can, population cannot yeah so essentially what you're trying to say is an older population should not straight away rush into uh, these exercises and have somebody who can supervise and ensure that their body is progressively loaded whether you are doing yoga whether you are doing machines free weights yeah. doesn't matter so, I have a few recommendations of a few basic exercises which they need to learn under someone's supervision. One would be how to hold a plank. Uh, second would be how to hold a glute bridge correctly. How to execute a glute bridge correctly. So that is going to take care of two key big problematic areas for old people. And uh, third or fourth are going to be some sort of overhead pressing pattern because most of the old people don't have a lot of mobility over their head. So some yeah. sort of pressing pattern that can be taught through many ways. I'm not going to get in depth for that. So some sort of that uh, that kind of pattern. If they have these three things figured out, then we can think of progressing towards the uh, machines and mm. make better out of machines and make beautiful, brilliant gains uh, out of machines. Because then they know how to hold the body correctly. They know how to squeeze the upper back correctly. They know how to sit still correctly. They know how to feel the abs. They know how to engage the most important muscle group, which would be pelvic floor and glutes. A lot of people don't know how to uh, engage that. And at an old age, it's even harder to do that. Hmm? So if we can get them through the progression of these movements, uh, these three patterns, just pressing something over their head uh, because they just won't have that kind of mobility. Uh, second thing would be, again, uh, executing and holding a correct glute bridge mm. and uh, yeah a plank a plank is always plank so plank overhead press and a foot bridge yeah uh, yeah and a glute bridge glute bridge glute, so bridge. One, glute bridge so once you have these three things figured out under someone's supervision then in my opinion people are good to go and use uh, machines and also this is going to build what bodybuilders call mind muscle connection mm. uh, or in my opinion just more better coordination overall in the human yeah. body so they are able so to use coordination uh, i'll tell you why muscle coordination actually is more important for the elderly because majority of these injuries are coming from poor muscle coordination uh, and weakening at the joints right so some what is the difference between somebody above 60 who is uh, undergoing resistance training versus uh, someone who is not. So let's say uh, if you had a slip or a fall, the person, yeah, the person yeah. who hasn't undergone resistance training or currently not, that person is, has a much higher likelihood of injury than the person who isn't. So breaking is a very specific problem being. So most of the old people, uh, if they're over 40, uh, most of them die within, so more, above 60, I guess, uh, die within 12 months of uh, hip replacement. Uh, mm. or a hip, uh, and hip replacement is one of the most common surgeries that they have. Yeah, and almost all of the elderly are going to have it uh, sometime. So better to delay it. Yeah. You always need to delay it and uh, to delay it you just need to increase more muscle mass better cognitive function 
and your mm-hmm. bones need to become less fragile so i i get it you don't have that much time left and uh, you must be running late so the, the, it's okay this, we are going to cover a lot more in it very quickly yeah so we're going to just touch on the concept and like in the next time we can go in complete depth and talk about specific exercise variations talk about specific programming methods talk about specific uh, nutritional guidance that is very important in my opinion and uh, and, and, all of, and all of these subjects so bone mineral density is also one of the things that people lose bone mineral density uh, is one of the things you know, so we will um so this is our introductory session on geriatric uh, nutrition and fitness uh, so to summarize the most important points that we have covered here are elderly population have a higher uh, requirement of protein than the average population because they have a greater muscle wastage elderly are losing 3 to 8% muscle mass every 10 years uh, yeah. recommended uh, protein is 1.2 grams every kilogram of your body weight uh, ishan has made some very good recommendations that you should progressively increase and not uh, straight away jump into resistance training the person should be uh, somebody who has a background and who deals with uh, senior fitness who has a good idea of the uh, physiology and the anatomy and what changes the bo- body has undergone with age right supplementation uh, is a strong for older people because their uh, appetite um, then uh, digest uh, digestion of protein all these abilities go down so yep. we have touched the basics the very basics of uh, nutrition and exercise training for uh, older adults uh we will try to do future sessions in which we will try to cover uh, osteoarthritis ortho- osteoporosis and uh, sarcopenia and how exercise can benefit each of these how bone mineral density can be affected so stay tuned for our future sessions this i believe is very good uh, thank you for this idea and thank you for joining us on this So uh, stay tuned for more podcasts in the future. Thank you. Done. Take care. Bye.